Good morning, New Life. If you have your Bibles or devices, you can grab those. Uh, we will be in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 17. Uh, we'll be finishing up our series flashback uh, as we've just looked uh, through Romans chapter 12 and just walked through those verses and uh, saw where uh, Paul instructs the believers there at Rome how to live. And what we've done is we've uh, correlated it with the Gospels and the life of Christ. And we would uh, flash back to different circumstances and situations in Jesus' life uh, to see how the book of Romans chapter 12 there matches up uh, with the way that he's lived and the way that he's responded to certain things. And so uh, we're going to continue that and we'll finish this morning uh, this chapter of Romans chapter 12 here. Um, so we'll start here in a few moments in uh, verse 17. Uh, but just want to bring you up to speed real fast on some things. Uh, this coming Sunday, a week from today, uh, we will have our regathering here in this place. And we are excited uh, to get the family back together. Um, and so just want to let you know again, and we'll be rolling out some videos and some announcements this coming week. But uh, it'll look different. As you already know, our service will start at 10 a.m., um, and there's a plan behind that. There's some intentionality behind that. Just some conviction that God has put on me and the leadership of this church uh, as we look to the future of what God's going to call us to do and be in this community. Uh, we just want to set ourselves up. And so we'll be uh, announcing some of that this coming Sunday uh, as we regather. It'll be online as well. So if you can't make it, don't feel pressured to be here. Uh, if you can't make it, uh, the online experience will be exactly the same as it has as Franklin uh, has been working tirelessly uh, to get you that experience, uh, to keep it as good as it has uh, been throughout this uh, time of break. And so uh, we'll start at 10 a.m. with that. Uh, we have uh, canceled our discipleship development for a while, um, especially uh, to try to do a good job with social distancing. We will also have, uh, we'll encourage you when you gather here in this place in the sanctuary to abide by the social distancing rules as best as possible. We're going to put out more chairs to try to help aid with that. Uh, we won't have our handshaker time. Uh, we also will not be taking up an offering. We're going to have offering boxes put in the sanctuary. And so if you want to drop your offering in that way, you can. Or if you want to continue to give online, however uh, God leads you to, to do that and to worship him in that area uh, of obedience, uh, by all means, feel free to do that. Um, and so we'll have some other things. We'll have some things to kind of help uh, combat children in the sanctuary here. Uh, and so if they get a little bit loud or rowdy, we're fine with that. Church, we're, we're quite all right with that. And so uh, we just look forward to having people gather again uh, again in this place. We're also going to have an overflow room. So if um, you feel uncomfortable at any moment in here, if it gets too crowded, or if, uh, again, the children kind of get a little loud, uh, by all means, all of that stuff will be there. So we just want you to be able to worship and enjoy gathering again uh, in this place. And so we'll be rolling out more information, but just know that we are super excited to gather again here in this place. So I'm going to ask you if you join me this morning as we pray. Um, and after we pray, we'll jump into where we'll be this morning in Romans 12, verse 17. Father, we love you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity again, God, to be able to gather in this place the way that we have. God, to be able to gather online and uh, on the internet and on YouTube and all of these different avenues where we've been able to come together and hear your word proclaimed. So Father, as we uh, look forward to next Sunday of being able to gather again together and have a little bit of fellowship and enjoy the family being back together, Father, we pray that you'd keep us safe. God, we pray that you would help us uh, exercise wisdom and a plan and prepare for what's to come and what could be taking place. Uh, God, just even in the future, Lord, we ask, God, the things that you've pressed upon our heart, God, that you would uh, continue to move in a mighty way there and direct us. And so, Father, again, we, we just thank you and we praise you for this opportunity, uh, God, to be able to come this morning and open up your word.
God, to hear your proclamation of your truth. God, change our hearts. Shape us. Mold us into the image of your Son. God, do a work in the hearts of the people that hear this message. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week we pressed into Romans 12, 14, and 15, and we just wrestled with a very tough scripture. Uh, definitely tough commands that the Apostle Paul uh, gives us in the way that we respond in times uh, that are hard or difficult for us. How we respond to that matters. And so Paul challenged the believers there at Rome uh, to bless those who persecute him, which is definitely countercultural, is it not? It goes against the flow of, of this world and this culture. But he, he commands them to do that, to, to bless those who persecute you. And oh, how the Holy Spirit has to be alive in us for that to happen. How we have to be regenerated and, and uh, how we've had to come to faith in Jesus Christ for that to even begin to be on our radar, to be, even to begin to happen or be a thought in our mind. And then he encourages the believers there to be so connected relationally with each other that when they rejoice, when one rejoices, they all rejoice. Or when one's broken and hurt, they all are broken and hurt. And this can only happen with, with what Paul says in uh, chapter 12 there, starting in verse 3, where he says, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And, and so we looked at that and we talked about that at the very beginning last week, of, of how we, we shouldn't think too highly of ourselves, but we need to remember who Christ is and what he's done for us and how he's changed us and shaped us and molded us. And, and so I made some comments like this, like we've got to get our eyes off of us. We've got to get our affection and desires off of, off of us because if we have just an ounce of self-desire over the desire of Christ, we will never be able to be obedient to what, what Paul has told the believers here in Rome to be obedient to. And so what we're going to see is this, is that Paul's going to continue to instruct believers in the way that they should treat others. How they relate relationally. How they uh, interact with one another. With those who are of the faith and even with those who are outside of the Christian faith. And so let's do for a moment, let's just go back for a second. Let's look at how Jesus modeled this for us. If you look at the life of Jesus, he demonstrates many times how not to repay evil for evil or how not to be uh, spiteful toward others that are cruel to him or mean to him or say things about him. And so one of the most vivid flashbacks I think that we could look at this morning is this, is this when Jesus uh, decided not to return evil for those who did evil to him. And the where we see that displayed the greatest, I believe, is on the cross. It is on the cross. As Jesus hangs on the cross, what do they do? They mock Him. They accuse Him. They beat Him. They scoff at Him. They did a lot of horrible, horrible things to Him. And still, Jesus, who could have righteously destroyed all of them because of their evil, because of their sin, He does something pretty, pretty astonishing. He does something very big. This is what it says in Luke twenty-two thirty-four. 34. It says, Father, forgive them. Think about that for a moment. The very ones that crucified him physically, the ones that, that beat him, that mocked him, that spit on him, that, that treated him horrifically. What Jesus does, he says, Father, forgive them. Are you kidding me? Jesus, hanging on the cross, asked that God would forgive them of their acts and their evil and their sin and the way that they treated him. That, that God would forgive them of that. And he says this, for they do not know what they are doing. Man, wow. All I can say is, are you, like, are you kidding me? The creator of the universe who rightfully has the ability to take matters into his own hands, what does he do? He asks for his father to forgive him. 
I mean, what an example to live by. I mean, I would, I would imagine that you have lived long enough where you would have been wounded by words or actions of others. And if you haven't, then you just need to live a little bit longer because chances are you've either been lied about, you've been falsely accused, you've been betrayed, you've been abused, you've been belittled, and, and that list could go on and on and on. And sometimes it's done by people who are close to you, maybe people who aren't so close to you, people who maybe uh, uh, did it uh, unknowingly and didn't mean to, or others uh, uh, viciously did something against you. And so what Paul's going to do this morning is he's going to instruct us how to interact, how to handle that, how to respond in those moments as it pertains to the light of the gospel. And so from Paul's teachings, we're going to learn how God wants us as believers to handle hurtful situations caused by others. Let's, let's look at verse 17. He says this. He comes back out and he gives us a command right from the very beginning. And Paul says this, repay no evil for evil. First, he says, do no evil. He says, don't even do it. No evil at all. And so it's never, hear me, it's never the will of God that when a person inflicts evil on you, for you to return evil to them. Never the will of God. Never for a sinful act that has, happens to you for you to repay a sinful act with another sinful act. Never ever will God allow that. Never ever will God commission that and say, go for it. That's not the heart of God. Whether it's evil actions or words or it's gossip, whatever it may be. God's will for you is to never repay evil for evil. Again, look at Jesus on the cross. Every right to. And so I don't, I don't know about you, but I've, just, I've been around people who live by this rule, and I've even heard it said over and over and over in my life before. Or people will make little jokes about it as, as, I don't get mad, but I get even. So if somebody does something to me, I'm, I'm not going to get mad about it. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to chalk it up and I'm going to remember what they've done and, and there will be a day uh, whenever they are at a place that I'm going to be able to get even. I'm going to even the score. And what we see the Apostle Paul say here in Romans 12, 17 is do no evil. That's never an option. That's never a way that we should live or that we should do things. But look, but look at where he goes next as he takes it a step further. He says, repay no evil for evil. So no evil for evil. He says, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Wow. Weighty, is it not? Weighty. We can't do this on our own. We need the Holy Spirit living in us, directing us, guiding us, us, us uh, submitted to the will of God for us to live this out. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Some translations read like this. It uses the word be careful. But be careful to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And so in the original language, that word there, be careful or give thought, it just means to think about something ahead of time with the implication that one can then respond appropriately. Huh. So it's like this thought of premeditation. Something evil has been done to you, then, then what are you to do? You're to be careful and give deep thought about something. Think about it for a while. Think about it ahead of time so that one day when you run into that person or you run into that situation again, it's already premeditated in your heart and in your mind how you're going to respond and what you're going to do. Because that's what we as believers are to do. We give thought to what? Honorable things. Not dishonorable. Honorable. And that word there, it means morally beautiful. Morally beautiful. So he says, not to repay evil for evil, but to think about, be careful and think about, really meditate on how that response will be. 
And so the Christian mind breaks free from the lowlands of smog and the mist of self-liberty. And what does it do? It rises into the, into the bright, clear sky of beautiful things and honorable things. That's what it does. Like, like I know me, there's been times in my life, uh, um, and, and by, by Christian people where they've, they've done something against me or they've acted a certain way toward me or they've said certain things to me. And, and I can remember uh, in my younger days, my, my thought was this, just exactly like what I've already said is, is okay, I'm not, I'm not going to get too mad about this. I'll just look for my opportunity one day because I'll be able to strike. I'll be able to, to take care of or I'll be able to, to do something against. And, and I can even remember one time sitting down with a friend at a table and as we sit there and we eat, there's a few of us as we're eating and um, I'd been done wrong in a circumstance and situation. And as, and as I'm thinking about it, and I'm sitting there, and we begin to kind of share, and he asks me some questions, and I says, man, man, I cannot wait till I run in, into this guy and see this fellow. He says, really, what are, you, what are you going to do? And I said, man, I don't know, but it's going to be good. And he says, do you want me to tell you what you'll do? I said, yeah, by all means, yes. Because I'm thinking he's going to give me some ammunition. He's going to help me think through even more how to respond in a way that wouldn't be honorable. He's in the flesh in that moment and wanted to do something. And he looks at me, and what a joy kill here is he says, you'll ex- respond the exact same way that Jesus did. Wow. What, what depth in that brother's heart and soul. In that moment where he could have joined in and he could have pressed me on into reacting the way that I wanted to, where he just pauses for a moment and he says, Scott, you'll, re- you'll respond like Jesus does. Why? Because Jesus is living in you. Not what I wanted to hear, but what I so desperately needed to hear. And it's like, that's what Paul's telling the believers here. That's what he's telling him here. Listen to what else Paul would say in, uh, to the believers in Philippi. Here in Philippians 4.8, he says this. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever um, is commendable, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, then what do you do? You think about these things. Honorable things, that's what you think about. That's what you put your mind to. Don't let your mind wander. Don't, don't let your mind uh, uh, fester up bitterness. Your heart, let that, let that sit there. No, no, think on things that are going to be uh, uh, freeing. I mean, how humble and freeing is this? This Christ-dependent mind that thinks upon things that bring honor and glory regardless of how difficult the situation is. And, and so please, please hear me here because I'm not saying that we need to take things over and over and over. And this isn't a license for us as believers just to be abused and abused. But what we need to do is we need to give careful thought to the way that we respond to those that hurt us. We need to give careful thought. And I know that this is hard. But what we have to do is exactly what he said here in Philippians. We need to take those thoughts captive. We need to put the Lord first. And we need to remember what he thinks matters. And what he thinks matters. And so we hope and we plan and we pray, just as Jesus tells us in Matthew 5.16, that men will see our beautiful works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. That's what we do as a believer. Our heart is not to offend. That's not what our heart is. Our heart is to delight and win over. And by the way that we respond matters. Because Paul here doesn't say just do it in the sight of Jesus. Don't just do it in the sight of God. He says the way you respond, respond in an honorable way. How? In sight of all. Who's all? Everybody. Anybody that could be there. Anybody that might hear of this story. Anybody that that looks at you and says, man, that person has every right to get even. That person has every right to respond in a way. And to make the flesh feel good. 
But Paul says, don't go that way. No evil for evil, but respond in a way that's honorable in the sight of who? All, with Jesus being the primary. Jesus being the most important. And so we need to give thought. We need to remember that. We need to give thought as to how both God and man might see something as beautiful and honorable. As beautiful and honorable. Then he goes on and he says this in verse 18. He says, if possible. And so it almost appears like he's giving us an out here. But, but that's not what this is. He says, if possible. And I know and I'm aware that there will be certain circumstances or situations or happenings that will not allow for certain outcomes or certain things to take place. But Paul says, if possible. And I'm saying that sometimes it may not be possible to do what he's saying here, what he's about to command us or tell us. But what are we to do? We're to try. We're to try with everything in us, if possible. We're to exhaust our energy and efforts in, in doing what he said, what he's about to tell us. It's like I was having a conversation with a good friend um, here recently, and this good friend of mine was telling me about a, a circumstance that he was in and something that's going on. And as it's going on, he was... Um, just telling me about it, and I was just thinking, man, that's crazy. Maybe it'll get better. It'll kind of subside a little bit. Uh, that, that aggravating thing that you're going through will kind of just start to wind down some. And, and so he was telling me that, and he's like, yeah, he's like, the bad part is there's all these people in my ear saying, well, you should do this, or you should act like this, or you should respond this way. And, and I love what my brother says. He looks at me and says, but I don't want to. He says, I know what the Scripture is saying. He, and he quotes to me this exact verse. I said, man, you're exactly right because the hope is this. Is if that brother that, that this thing is happening to you in your life with, if that brother doesn't know Jesus, the hope is by the way that you react and the way that you respond and the way that you be and the way that you do, it's going to, it's going to turn his heart to Christ. And maybe if not his heart, then imagine who else, all those other people who've been speaking into his ear, if he responds in a way that honors Jesus when he has every right to flex his muscle a little bit. He has every right to act a little bit of a fool. If he pushes it to the side and he says, no, I'm going to respond and be this way. Imagine what that will do for the honor and glory of Christ. And, and look at what Paul tells us. He says this. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you. So if at all possible on your side of things. Now, who is the you here? And so the you here is those believers in Rome. That's who he's talking to. Those who are being living sacrifices, who are dead to themselves, Romans 12.1 teaches. To those who don't think more highly of themselves than they should, Romans 12.3 teaches that. And so this is outstretching even into our day today. Yeah, Paul is pinning this letter to the believers there at Rome who are going through some stuff. But he also, as we look at this and as we read this, we've got to determine how do we respond? Is this descriptive or is this prescriptive? So is he just describing a story, telling a story, how things were going, how things were to be, that stuff? Or is he prescribing something for all believers everywhere to listen to and do? And I believe it's prescriptive. He is telling the believers there in Rome, as well as telling us here today in our world, this is what we need to do. As far as it depends upon you, who those of us who have died to self, who are living sacrifices, those of us who don't think more highly of ourselves than we should, those believers... That's who this falls upon. Those who have through faith seen and experienced the goodness and forgiveness of God and entered into relationship with His beloved Son, Jesus. He says, as far as it depends upon you, do what? Live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with all. He says, begin living in peace with others. And to do that, we've got to forgive those who have offended us, who have done evil to us, just as Jesus did. Just as we flashed back and we looked as Jesus prays to us, Father, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Hear me, church, the lost world don't know what it does. 
They're just acting with the nature that's within them. They've never been reborn. They don't have a new heart, a new desire, a new longing for things that are right from the Scriptures, from the Word of God. Of course they're going to look to get ahead. Of course they're going to look to undercut. Of course they're going to look to to, to begrade you and, and drag you through the mud. Of course they're going to look to do all of those things. Why? Because they don't live by the same rule and standard as we do, and it's the Word of God. But as far as it depends upon you, believer... We're to live peaceably with all. With all. So you may do all that you can in a family or in a small group or in a church or in a job within the limits of truth and within the limits of what's honorable, but still you're not able to make peace. And so Jesus even makes mention of this. The, very, the Prince of Peace says this in Luke 12, Uh, 51 through 52, where it says, do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. And so the point here is is not that peace is not precious or desired, or we shouldn't want that. The point here is that the truth of the gospel, the truth of Christ, crucified, risen, reigning, And the necessity of faith in Him is more precious than human peace. That's what he's talking about there. The Gospel produces peace with God. And the Gospel creates lovers and workers of peace. But the world crucified Christ. They do not always want that peace that He offers. And us as representatives of that peace and of that hope and of that grace, they want nothing to do with us. So as far as it depends on me and you, we are to be the good news of the gospel in this world. And we are to live in such a way that honors Jesus and points people to the resurrected Christ. And and then look at what he says in verse 19. He says, beloved, again, there's believers there, never avenge yourselves. But Jesus, you don't understand what they did. Like, I know we're, we're, it's 2020, right? And there's some difficult things going on in this world, and it is crazier than it has ever been. And we're trying to figure out and all the stuff going on, and we never veer from the Word of God. And look at what he says there. He says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Again, no evil for evil. And he says it again, don't avenge yourselves. You don't have to take up for yourselves in this area. He says, But leave the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. And so what this text says is that God has made a promise that He Himself will repay all wrongs in perfect measure. All wrongs. His justice will prevail. No wrong has escaped His notice. He sees its evil far better than you and I ever have. And He will make known what? His righteousness at the right time. He will make known His righteousness to all at the appointed time. And this reality should crush us. Because that person who has done the most vile, the most difficult, the most wrong, the most however horrific thing in our life, apart from Christ, what do they get? This is mine, says the Lord. That's what they get. And that should break our heart. Because the good news of the gospel has come to set the captive free and make what's wrong right. To bring what's dead alive. And the chances are, and the reality is, hopefully the reality is that they don't know Christ is the reason why they've lived contrary to what he says. Verse 20, he goes on, he says this. He says, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. This is a game changer, isn't it? Wow, you don't just not do anything. Now, now there's action involved. 
So instead of a Christian having the right to get even or repay bad that's been done to them, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, pins these tough, difficult, flesh-aggravating words. On the contrary, you don't get even, you do this. He says, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. So we need a little commentary here on this phrase, this thought of heaping burning coals on their head. What is intended here by this imagery is is not 100% clear. For in the original language, the phrase coals or fire occurs only two other times in the Septuagint, which the Septuagint is just a Greek translation of the Old Testament. And neither of those instances is, a, is the word used metaphorically. And that happens over in Isaiah 47.14 and Proverbs 6.20. It's not, it's not metaphorically there. However, when it's used metaphorically in the Old Testament, the word coals or fire, what it usually does is it refers to God's overwhelming presence and judgment. And so Paul just might be meaning that in these actions towards those who's done something wrong for you, He's just saying that those actions may not lead them to repentance. Then their guilt before the Lord will be increased. That might be what Paul's referring to here. Because Paul would not mean on this view here that, that we're to act kindly toward our enemy and with the purpose of making his or her judgment even more severe because that should not be the heart of the believer. That's not the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel, the heart of the believer toward lost men and women is brokenness, is, is, is desperate cries and pleads with, longings and ur- urging them to come to know Christ. So it's not a just, aha, we'll, we'll heat more on them and hopefully they'll, they'll get what they deserve, those suckers. That's, that's not the heart behind what Paul's saying here. And he goes on in verse 21, he says this, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we overcome evil in this world how? By doing good. Again, we never repay evil for evil. That's never the will of God. But we overcome evil in this world by doing good. And so this command might seem like an impossible task, which I would say yes and amen. It has to be. On our own energy and on our own efforts. Absolutely it would be. But with the Holy Spirit living in us, Christ moving and doing in us, this is something that we can do and live out and be obedient to. I mean, our Savior hanging on a cross. Look at His response to those who crucified Him. Wow, church. That should be our heartbeat. So whenever evil is committed against us, we submit our lives to God. He will take us on a journey of healing that allows us to overcome the evil done with us, done to us, and we do that with good. And so I know that these are not easy scriptures to follow. And they can only be followed with the Holy Spirit working in us, guiding us, directing us. And so rather than seeking some form of revenge, we overcome the evil in this world by doing good to those who hurt us and wound us. With the hopes of us responding in such a way that will lead them to repentance. Kindness leads to repentance. Kindness leads to the glory of God. Kindness points to that of Jesus and His sacrifice. And so may God, as a result of His Word this morning, proclaimed and the work of the Holy Spirit right now where you're at, may He convict you and encourage you all the more to go much deeper in your relationship with Him. May God remind you that He has already taken and endured everything that you will ever go through as one of His children. May this week you live out this tough but holy truth of living peaceably with all, so as far as it depends on you. I mean, however they respond is on them. 
but we've got, we've got our command here to obey. We, we've got the actions that we need to live by that Paul has given us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit is to live peaceably, to do good to those who do bad to us, to not get even, but live as Christ would live and to forgive. That, that's what we've been told to do. So may this week we live out that truth as long as it depends on us, our side, us doing that. May God bless you and use this word in a mighty way to shape you and form you all in the more of the image of His Son. And I cannot wait till we get back together next week and see what God has to do in our hearts and in our lives to hear the stories of, 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 of everything that God has done and accomplished. Man, He's been working tirelessly in this church. Even in our absence, God is doing a mighty, mighty work in you, in us, in this community. I'm excited to see what God has in store for us as we move forward, as we continue to follow Him into the future. God's got it. He knows what He's doing. All of this is a part of His plan to get us to be the people that He's called us to be, to have us rise up as a body of believers, do a work in this world for His glory. We'll see you next week, and don't forget, next week starts at 10. May God bless you and use you in a mighty way this week in your community, in this world, for His glory and for his honor. New Life, we love you, and we can't wait to see you.